The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want you to listen for the next hour to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. Now, why would someone want to have a radio talk show saying, Power of Water? This is why I'm, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and for over almost three decades, I've been studying what is happening to the earth and how do we live with it, and we won't choose it has to live with us. We need to learn how to live with this planet, and there's a solar system that's going on, and, and the, you're, you can stand away from earth and take a look away at earth from a distance as if you're one of those orbit, those planets in the orbit, and you notice something, Earth has the water. And obviously that's what's bringing life to the Earth. That's what's giving life the healthy uh, opportunities to, uh, to live and breathe. Did you know without moisture, water, there is no air to breathe? You have to have moisture in the air, that fluid we don't see. So power of water, life, and the air, if there's not enough moisture in the air, your eyes are dry, your skin is dry, everything is dry. And as you know, we're learning more about our cells and the breakthrough that they're finding with those 50 trillion cells that even if you isolate 1 billion of those cells and take a blood test, you might even detect cancer in that cell. There is a lot to learn. This radio talk show is there for you to want to learn more about why is moisture for life green? Water is everything to do with your environment, your health. It's your education. And in this show, we can discover together. It's the guests that we bring to the show each week throughout the years that makes the show an exciting show. Today, we have Winston K.O., He's from Florida. He is in research in the field of agriculture, nutrition, water and soil-based microorganisms. He is, I've had, I know who he is, and he is absolutely, to me, one of the forerunners of understanding what we all need to learn and be proactive together. Our second guest, Dwayne Cecil, I've had on before. Dwayne is a Ph.D., and Dwayne has been studying Western regional climate. He's been in his past with NASA. He's been all over the place in uh, directions to try to learn what is happening uh, as a scientist with the climate change and what are we going to learn and what can he teach us together. You know, our Earth is growing, and this new show is going to tackle the 5,000 5, children that are dying a day that don't have water 
And did you know that because there's, the water is polluted, the air is polluted, our lives are not being educated enough to be proactive, that we must ga- join together to try to save those 5,000 children a day. We can do it from here. We can do it from this radio show. It's there. We, we need to make our voices heard. We need to understand if the water is what keeps us alive and our cells, we have 50 trillion cells in our body, that dehydration of our body is as more important than any, any subject you can want to learn. It's the key to your whole life, all the way to the brain. Did you know the most important, uh, heavy organ of your body, the most, one of the most important organs of your body is your brain? It's 80 to 90 percent water. Did you know that on the surface of your eyes is 89, 90, 99% water depends upon how dehydrated you are? There's a lot to learn about drinking water. The fluid of your body is what you're drinking. If you wish to drink soda, that's sugar that'll heat you up and put you on a high. If you wish to have a glass of water and enjoy the fact that it's fresh and it's more connected to you with nature, drink more water during the day than you would have any other liquid. Your nutrition is vital to make sure you get the fresh, raw vegetables into you that are so important. But how are they all growing? And why are they, why would they be healthy? It's because of the water and where they're coming from. We have a lot to learn. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product in the world Did you ever hear of one product that was the only one like it in the world, especially in the eye category? It is not an eye drop. It has no chemicals. It is 100% natural tissue culture grade of water to be able with a fine mist to supplement your eyes at the surface because the eyes are 90 to 90% water, 90 to 99% water at the surface in your tear film. If your eyes are dry, you do not have enough water content. You're dehydrating. So we'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Winston. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Winston, are you with us? 
Hey, thank you very much for having me here today. Well, thank you for joining us. And I really could hardly wait to get you on because the subject that you choose in your uh, everyday, um, I'll call it a mission and crusade, is learning more about uh, the water, the soil. I just had some organic farmers on here in the past several months, and one had 4,000 acres, the other one had like a, several hundred acres, and we've been into the subject, Winston, and people forget the soil is alive. Oh, yes, it's very, very alive. And Today I have some very, very important information, and those of you who are out there that are organic farmers, non-organic farmers, it doesn't make any difference. Right. This pertains to you right now. And uh, the particular thing I'd like to talk about is rainwater. This is okay. a dramatically changed thing that is no longer like it used to be anymore. And explain why it's a changed organism. Okay. Normally, the east coast of the United States has a pH of 5.0 to 5.6 pH for the east coast rain, and the west coast rain is usually about 3.8 to 4.8 uh, for pH. Okay, now this is very... That is very important because no one would ever stop to think about that. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. I was reading up on chemtrails, and they were talking about that the chemtrails are dumping 10 to 20 million tons of nanotized aluminum, barium, and strontium. Well, 10 to 20 million tons, that's an awful large quantity. And I was sitting there and I was going, hmm... If this is true, and this, this report here is not bogus, how can I prove this? And it happened to be pouring rain here. So I go, oh, I should go be able collect. to tell the difference of the rainwater. Uh-huh. So I jumped up in the middle of the rain, went outside, and I have a 500-gallon <laughs> uh, cistern that catches the rain right off my roof. Uh-huh. And I stuck the pH meter in there. And instead of getting 5.5 to uh, 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 range... I had 9.5 pH. And I go, Very oh, my goodness. Right? 5 to 6 is 10x. 5 to 7 is 100x. 5 to 8 is 1,000x. 5 to 9 is a 10,000x. So 10,000 times 2 alkaline. Wow. And I go, wow, that's, those are Big numbers. Those are I big looked numbers. around, and I started looking at my younger trees that I had just recently planted, and I had uh, iron chlorosis, right? This is iron deficiency. And I couldn't understand why I was having iron chlorosis when I have iron in my fertilization program, in my foliar spring, the spring of the leaves. I should not have iron chlorosis on my plants. Not at all. But I had Mm-hmm. And I realized it was the pH that was preventing the iron to be uptake. Now, this is more than just iron. All the other things also have the same problems. But iron was the first thing that was going to show because of the nature of iron. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I ran outside and dumped uh, some uh, apple cider vinegar, a cup and a half or so, into my uh, tank. And it dropped it down to 4.5 pH, and I started to water the garden with that uh, water for the next two weeks, and all of my iron chlorosis had basically disappeared. Now, you know something I think it would be very important, Winston? 
many, many years ago, when I began studying water and, and skin products, Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would understand the, the uh, organism of the skin and how it operates and how important, by the way, it's so vital. It's, by the way, the surface of your skin is like no different than the soil of your climate. I mean, right. soil of your planet. Mm-hmm. The surface of your skin is vital to your life, and it's alive. So I was studying, and, and then I ran into the fact that they were pushing pH products for the skin. Right. Naturally, P, uh, pH products that are so important to the skin and then they came along legally and said that you had to have a pH that was adaptable to the skin because of uh, adaptability, so the skin right. would not change in its pH. Would you explain to our audience from your background mm-hmm. the importance of the pH description? Well, basically, especially for skin, it should be slightly acid, and it shouldn't be alkaline. Well, skin is 5.5 to 6.5. That's right. Okay. Kind of so like the, the rain. The description of a pH of water, the skin, pH of anything. People are confused, Winston, because they, years ago they were pushing pH. People didn't know what pH meant to what. And right. You today now are teaching us in this classroom. I call this show like a laboratory to learn. Let um, me clarify one of the terms that we use just to... Anything below 7 of the pH is considered acid, and anything above 7 is considered alkaline. Now, here is a screaming false datum that is taught in every single university and high school, and that pH of 7 is neutral, that all nature basically considers 7 as a neutral number. This is incorrect and a false statement. Oh, pH why is of, it that? Why is it that? Because that's everywhere I read everything. Yes, it's like a, pH of 7 is a mean number. Seven, uh, 14 is the scale, 0 for 14. 14 divided by 2 is 7. Mm-hmm. So it's a mathematical number. It's an arbitrary number. It's a confusing number then, maybe. Uh, it's confusing it, to us. Well, it's extreme confusing because people say, well, what is your blood? It's supposed to be alkaline. It's supposed to be acid. No, your blood is supposed to be 7.2 to 7.4, and it's above the 7.4 or below 7.2. You're severely sick heading for the deathbed, mm-hmm. right? So your urine and uh, your saliva has are, are simply symptoms of the body successfully balancing the pH of 7.2 to 7.4 so that it can survive. Mm-hmm. So it's just a reflection. So the saliva balancing, uh, you could be mad and get more acid, win a lottery ticket, become more alkaline. I mean, th- those numbers bounce all over the place. So to run your whole health program based on saliva urine uh, on a one or two single uh, uh, measurement is total falsehood on a long term, as in three, four months, and doing a trend and looking at your overall trend, that will be usable data, but certainly not a single uh, measurement of your alkalinity or acidity of your saliva or urine. That's, that's just a joke, a bad joke. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Now, you know, what you're telling me is something that my mind went toward also. You know, we're a culture that loves to take showers or a bath mm-hmm. once or twice a day. What, do you, what is your evaluation if a person's taking a shower or a bath and the water they're using, they're not sure of how healthy it is? 
even though well, it, it doesn't appear to be very, very good point that you bring up because whenever you take a shower or a bath, you're going to have about, roughly speaking, a pint of water of exchange in the shower. And uh, i give a good example. When you jump into the ocean, within five minutes, you will feel more vibrant and full of energy. Why? Because you're going to get exchange of the sea minerals, which is 93 different elements, and they're 100% bioavailable. So you'll immediately, within five minutes, feel better and stronger if you, and more alert. You'll and feel you more alert. you can jump airy. into a river, and that will not happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's just an example. And also, let's take a look at, uh, um, let's say, cigarette patches, uh, birth control patches, right? This is like direct skin absorption, right? Yes. And, you know, for years and years, doctors have been telling people, don't worry, your skin does not absorb anything. This is such big falsehood. It is, it is It's the largest no body. No one that ever is, say that. Right. And it's not just the largest body, but it bypasses a lot of your defensive system. If you drank a glass of chlorinated water, that's far less harmful than to take a shower that's chlorinated or fluoridated or chloromines loaded uh, water. Because your pores are open, the chemicals go directly into your bloodstream from your skin. Right. Whereas if you drank that water, at least you have your kidneys, your liver, and blah, 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 to filter it out before it goes back into your bloodstream. Exactly. People have no... You know, Winston, what can you and I and others do to... to what do we have to do to say, get people house, understanding how serious it is that they drink I think this is the first thing we do. They're listening to the radio show. This is step A. Okay. So step <laughs> B is like, uh, like for example, I have designed a fluoride removal system. The, by the way, fluoride is extremely difficult to take out of the water. Mm-hmm. And most people think, oh, fluoride is good for your teeth. It's not. It's extremely destructive. And if you went into the Internet and typed in the word fluoroxetine, and do not be surprised if all the generic brands of Prozac, a heavy-duty mental straitjacket drug will pop up. Wow. Okay? Fluoroxetine is a generic name for Prozac. Huh. Right? And that's what they're putting into the drinking water. You cannot dump the fluoride down into the rivers where, or where put I, it in landfill, but it's legal to put it into the city water. And where I come from with this, all of this, is that, the moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathed from that pocket of water, and you had like a, let's say, uh, somebody just took your clothes off, and then all of a sudden, which is the water was a cushion, the water was warmth, and it was, a, it was your, um, where you were comfortable and you were living. And all of a sudden, you don't have that around you at all. Well, you mm-hmm. begin a process of life to ending life called dehydration. Mm-hmm. And for my research, your research, and the world out there to understand that the dehydration hasn't been understood, that when you go to invent these particular methods to put chlorine in the water or do certain mm-hmm. things to the food or you eat certain foods together or you go out and eat sugar, this processed sugar, all these things you're doing are going to maybe dehydrate you even more, even, not even more, will dehydrate you more. Now, uh, I think no we need to add dehydration plus acidification. 
Exactly. No two people have the same eye, same eyes. That's a dehydration. No right. two people have the same skin and the complexion. Dehydration. No mm-hmm. two fingerprints and our cells and more about us. So when we're tampering with what we're trying to do out there, are we studying before we go to do it what this will do to certain people in our world that are going to be more dehydrated and have more severe effects and maybe we won't notice that until all of a sudden we have um, alarm buttons go off that maybe something's dehydrating these people more. These children are getting more autistic. These people are having more eye problems at birth, from birth, from birth, the day they were born. Uh, And we could go on allergic reactions to what? Uh, And people are thinking, oh, could it be what? And they don't realize it could be the water. It could be the foods, the way they're being processed. There's and one more, foods that are being created, as in and you're being more dehydrated as a person, as a personal person, as an individual. And then we have more allergies. Mm -hmm. More people are going blind than ever in history. Really, Uh, I could go on and on. We're going to have to listen to our sponsor. But when we come back, I want you to teach us more about our soil. Okay. Because people have not looked at the soil of our surface of our earth like it's alive with us. They look at it like you walk on it. Right. Winston, we'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back, and you're going to teach us about that. Okay. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only product in the world, 100% natural, a w- tissue culture grade water with just a mist to supplement your eyes like you like to supplement using maybe a something else to supplement your day because you're not getting enough we'll listen to our sponsor with just a mist and we'll be right back with mitt winston the world talk radio variety channel where the world comes to talk Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Winston, teach us today about your research and why our soil is being, our health is being affected by the soil. Right. Uh, let's uh, keep something very simple with, with the soil. The soil is just like a house. It has electrical conductivities, it has water pipes, it has air pipes. Right? Uh, earthworms create conduits so that the, water, or the ground becomes uh, able to absorb the water, percolate through the ground, through its holes. Um, soil microorganisms uh, 
create fertile soil. Real good fertile soil has very good conductivity. This is why for centuries upon centuries, man has running around, don't plow, don't plow, don't plow. Why? Because when you plow, you destroy all of the um, water conduit, the air conduits, and the electrical conductivity. So there are methods to plant and grow without destroying the soil structure because you're destroying conductivity, air, and water, percolation capabilities. And so it is a very live and living organism. The whole soil is a live and living organism. And depending on what kind of fertilizers we use, how do we treat it? That means mechanical means of handling the soil. All must be taken into care of not destroying your electrical conducts and your air and your water conduits. Right? So now that is a when concept you say, that, when, when you said yeah. something there about the plowing. Yes. Uh, what are you thinking they, what would be the alternative to, if you're not going to plow the field? Uh, basically, you are going to plow, but okay, you you're don't plow. plow greater than two inches. And you okay. don't fold the materials, the plant materials, deep into the soil. No, 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 no. You just plow it sufficiently to knock the soil residue, In other words, you're turning the plant residue the soil down over. to the surface. You're turning it over. Just slightly, just, just two slightly. inches on the top. You're rotating the surface and you're turning it over with a, 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 a method of, of uh, plowing. What would they call the it rather than plowing? Okay. You're okay. just breaking the plant so that they, okay. they can be cut and laying down on the surface. And then when you spray uh, with uh, soil-based microorganisms and your fertilizer program on top of the plant residue, the microorganisms, the earthworms, would then take the plant residue and bring it deep down into the ground. That's their job, not the farmer's job. Oh, that's interesting. So that's the, that if you have a healthy plant, the plant will do that itself. That's right. The healthy plant will, be, will decay by the microbes, and the earthworms will take this slightly decayed plant, which now turns sweet and delicious, and they will then eat the plant and bring it down into the soil. Okay, but the roots, the root of the plant. Yes, it's going to be cut and broken, and other right. bugs and worms and various different things will oh. break that down too. Uh huh. And reconvert. That is fascinating. Yeah. So you have an ecosystem there. So what I'm trying to say here is don't destroy the ecosystem. Mother yeah, Nature has everything let, let in life, place. Let the living live together. Correct. The is, is now alive, living, and then the soil is alive and living, and let them begin to do an ecosystem uh, together. In other words, right. the health of everything is coming together. Right. And I have a good example. Like uh, Joe Salatin is a farmer. And I think he's out in Pennsylvania. And basically, he, he rotates cattle, high-density high cattle through the place. And every day, he lets them into a new pasture. So they drop their cow dung and uh, urine on, on the land. And yeah. then he, sh several days later, ships in chickens. Well, now the cow dung, several days later, have insects and grubs growing in the cow dung. So the chickens okay. go in there, break up the cow dung, plow it into the ground in search of the insects and grubs inside of yeah. the cow dung. So the chicken gets the highest proteins possible and at the same time plow the dung into the ground. And the chicken, of course, has different kind of manure that they create that's yeah. also laid on the ground, which is also plowed into the ground. Oh, that See, is Mother fascinating. Nature covered I'm learning all, things all I've never already. heard. 
Now, uh, what I've been saying, and we've had organic farmers of really enormous size right. uh, teaching us, and I'd mentioned, well, when you turn that soil over and you do certain things like you just said, Winston, mm-hmm. uh, to change the heat of the soil to attract moisture from the air, you need less water. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, especially I have certain water conditioners uh, that will reduce the uh, water usage for outside 20% and greenhouses up to 60% just because you have better water structure because you didn't kill the soil-based microorganisms. Very interesting. That is so <laughs> interesting. Well, I have a belief, uh, and I've said it to the world, and and I will say it over and over again. I'm going to do some articles on it, but I think the next economic um, uh, stimulation to the world and to our country is going to be agriculture, Winston. And I think they're wanting to learn more technology. They're wanting to learn to grow the food closer to the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, having to deliver from so far away is not a healthy way to go. It's not healthy. That's right. We should copy the Europeans, not greater than 150 miles transportation distance. Exactly. And uh, th- and we should understand that our produce and our food is coming uh, not too so far. And then we know we are not get- it's going to be fresher. And then we will have, and we all like regulators, and I will tell the world about this. Regulations put a business together with regulations. The business wants to regulate itself more than the regulator does. But there are times when you've got in your business, people fall through the cracks, and they're not being regulated by the the reports that maybe you're getting. So if a regulator is there and helping you become a better business and make you more successful, and you're having your agriculture closer to home, your food closer to home, and you know that the business and the regulator are a team. Right, but I'm afraid that most of the regulators are controlled by multinational corporations, and so they're not part of a team. Well, no, I'm looking at it kind of like this. Years ago, I was in a meeting, Winston, uh, with the forestry and and the, uh, here in Oregon and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the government. And the government was blasting the business. I said, wait a minute. Um, way back in time, I don't think it was meant for the government not to work with the business because your economy is the success of everybody's table mm-hmm. and paying their bills. And the economy means that you're getting a dividend on your return with the government. Right. So a dividend from the government is very important, and if people are working together from, mm-hmm. let's say, from this moment on, and you have a regulation within your business that is tough, your regulator comes along and makes sure they're watching uh, the reports and also know that you're being tough, that you're growing the crops, all this food is being closer to home, makes it easier to regulate, and then the confidence of the people knowing that what they're going to be drinking, hopefully the water will be regulated, and hopefully... Well, well it is food, regulated. But we hope. <laughs> I mean, always. both organic industry as well as the water industry is a classical example where the government interference has reduced the quality and Thank standard you. rather than increase it, and yeah. that's at the present time, that's the way. It shouldn't be that way. Well, and, and everybody wants to know they're drinking safe water. And they're not. 85% of the cities don't even meet federal standards. Right. This is across the United States. Back 85% the, don't make it. 
yeah, back to the rainwater and our soil. Yes. Now, you were teaching us today something about the pH of some of the rainwater around the country. Uh, bring, let's repeat that again. I'm a believer of repeating <laughs> Okay, things. I understand. So rainwater should be about 5.0 to 5.6 for the East Coast, and the West Coast should have 3.8 to 4.8. And you can have uh, momentary thunderstorms with as low as a 2.0 pH uh, as far as the rain is concerned. Now, uh, when I had measured some of the rains, this is like, well, oh, 10 weeks ago in Florida, I had a 9.5 pH. That was getting into the 10,000 times too alkaline. And this causes the soil to have inability to absorb many nutrients, specifically iron for one, which I was suffering greatly with some of the young trees that were weak and not well-established. Uh, the iron could not be picked up. And also I wanted to mention something that really dropped my jaws is I just uh, made a long trip from Florida to California, and I did it by driving. And a lot of the deserts throughout Anzo Borrego Desert in California, New Mexico, uh, a lot of the cactuses, which I used to be very, very fond of cactus and know quite a bit of cactus, most of the cactus forests that I knew of disappeared, just flat out disappeared. The whole terrain changed sufficiently that I did not recognize these cactus uh, forests that I used to roam through 20, 30, 40 years ago. They, they don't look the same at all, and I believe potentially uh, they might be caused by the high pH rain, and the, the deserts were not able to tolerate such a great differences, and so these cactuses simply died out. I, I, we have only one minute left, and sure. you know, I love to drive. In fact, we were just in Florida this last year and drove uh, through Florida a little bit on business. And I was so grateful that we were able to rent a car and drive where we were going so I could take a peek at the species and what is happening to the surface and what is going on there in Florida with your wetlands and more. Uh, real quickly, because we'll have to do this again because there's so okay. much to learn. You are an excellent educator. Uh, how would you like to leave the listeners today with what you're, where you're, what you're learning? Uh, basically, you can come to my website. You know, okay. uh, that's a good place to start learning everything from uh, the soil as well as female estrogens and soybean and salt. I have a great website called um, Go Beyond organic.com that's g-o-b-e-y-o-n-d-o-r-g-a-n-i-c.com go beyond organic.com and i have some 150 plus articles and just look down a, a title that interests you uh, there's lots to learn pick what you like the most interest the most i'll cover everything from tattoos to microwaves to salts and oils and there'll be something that you will see that you can improve your life with all right, and then they've learned today about pH. Yes. It is so important to immunity and protection of what is happening with the organism. And anybody out there who is growing and having great difficulties, you can go to my website. My phone numbers are there. Mm -hmm. And um, call me, and I'm more than happy to help you and at least point you in the right direction. Well, thank you. You have a very special day, and I hope we can do this again because I learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners around the world did too, Winston. Thank you very much, Sharon. You have a nice day. Thank you. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, our next guest is going to be Dwayne Cecil. 
who's a PhD, and he's with the Western Region of Climate Services. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Here's IMS, and we're going to be back with what Dwayne can teach us today about the new climate services that are happening out there so we can learn more about what is that climate change, what is happening. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with uh, Dwayne Cecil. Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? I'm here. Well, I appreciate you taking time because I know how busy you are. Hi, how are you? I am doing fine, and you have been busy this last year. Uh, all of you putting together this new, what you call, uh, line office. Uh, yes, that's we've dedicated been uh, to trying Brandon to form a new line office within within NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, for uh, NOAA uh, Climate Services in response to many, many requests from stakeholders and partners all over the country and, and Canada and Mexico. And mm-hmm. so we're responding, and, and we've been we, we have not gotten uh, the go-ahead from from the Hill, from Congress yet to, to form the new line office, but we've moved out at any rate to respond to stakeholder needs. So we're okay, still working on, on forming the line office, but uh, we, we aren't waiting for that. We're, we're responding, and we have six regional directors in place mm-hmm. across the country, and I'm the Western Region Climate Services Director, and I'm, I'm working out of uh, our, our National Weather Service Regional Office in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Now, tell us, explain to our listeners just what you said. What okay, does that well, mean? Because people t- are confused. You know, because we're so in communications today, we hear about global warming. We hear about climate change. We hear the weather is having a drought. We're hearing, hearing they're flooding. They're hearing more snow than normal. So people's minds are more on the weather 
than ever in history, uh, Dwayne. So explain to us what your, what the line office is going to try to do to provide a service to people living on this planet. Okay. Well, um, you know that's that's you've you've really honed in on on the reason that we're attempting to reorganize within NOAA and and more systematically and more formally offer information to the public and to our stakeholders is because there is such a deluge of information on on changing weather and changing climate and so we're trying to put it into perspective and and talk about uh, what affects people's everyday lives and when i when i took this position on for the western climate services director i started on august 16th and that first week i contacted the western governors association the western states water council and and uh, told them I'm on the job. I've been living in the West for the last 23 years. I, I'm very cognizant of what the important issues are for West in terms of where do we get the science, how do we use the science, how do we interpret the science. And the Western governors asked me, and, and Western States Water Council asked me, what do you see as the three main issues facing residents in, in, in the West and, and users of, of the science that NOAA produces and, and the other agencies and departments within the federal sector, what do you see as the top three priorities? And my answer was not tongue-in-cheek at all. My answer was water, water, water. Mm-hmm. Water availability, water quality, and water management are, are the top issues. Mm-hmm. So if we can, within the federal government, begin to try to relate better to to all of our citizens and, and to our stakeholders that we are attempting to more systematically provide scientific information and interpretation of scientific information in areas that concern you and your communities and you and your everyday lives. And in the West, that comes down to water. So I've, I see my position as trying to interpret all those things that you pointed out, uh, uh, dramatic uh, extreme events, whether they be floods or droughts, uh, both ends of the spectrum, everything in between, uh, large snowfalls, um, hail events. How do we how do we provide that information in advance as much as we can, with as much confidence as we can, confidence as we can, and relate it to every to people's everyday lives? And and again, in the West, I'm going to repeat myself. You know, that's the big issue is is water and and. How is urban sprawl and changes in population affecting our water resources? How are invasive species affecting our water resources? And one of the drivers, climate variability and change. How are they going? How are they affecting our water resources now? How are they going to affect them seasonally in the next year or two? And can we, with some confidence, start talking about how they might be affected five to ten years out? So we're trying to do that more systematically and provide that information to our citizens and to our stakeholders. Yeah, and you want the, uh, everyone who's living on this earth to try to comprehend what you're trying to do proactively. I have a favorite word, Dwayne, the proactiveness. In other words, what we do today should be thought out for what we're going to be learning from here to eternity. In other words, you don't ever quit. You, you, you just keep wanting to learn as much. You can never learn enough. And uh, when people are wanting to learn more about why important, we all have a common sense about how important water is. But explain something when we all know how important water is, but what is, I'm going to ask almost like a Milton Friedman question, why is it 
water is so important to our climate? Well, um, the for reason I use Wilton Freeman because he, me... he had a, he had a way about has a way of leading people to knowing what probably would be a common sense answer, but maybe it may come out a little differently than we've heard before. So a lot of people don't realize how important water is affecting our climate. Well, there, there's a couple answers to that. And before I, I get into those answers, I, I want to echo what you just said about being proactive. And that's the approach that we're taking with the with the NOAA Climate Services. And and our National Weather Service has been, been doing operational climate services for a number of years. And so they're, they're very much engaged uh, across NOAA and, and working with us in, in providing products and information. But the proactive approach is extremely important. And what we're doing is in the, over the next year or two, and, and we will do this routinely, and we'll try to, to get out information as, as often as we can, but we're, we're having town hall meetings uh, across our regions in our cities, in our small towns, uh, in country settings. Uh, we're putting together a series of town hall meetings to proactively involve the citizens and our stakeholders in how we produce the science, number one, how we interpret that science, and, and how we offer our, our science and our products uh, to the people that need that information. So it, it's proactive. It, it, it can no longer be scientists talking to scientists about climate right. variability oh, and change. So we have to be working day in, day out with, with citizens and stakeholders to understand what the needs are and really see if we're putting the explanations together in a way that's, that's useful and that makes sense. And so it is very, very much proactive. Now, now I uh, to tell you, uh, back to your, your question about the importance okay, of water to, to weather and climate, it really is a, 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 cir- a circular um, endeavor, endeavor that we're talking about here. The, the water, what happens to our water resources is really a reflection of what's happening to the weather and climate, and the weather and climate are very much driven by what's happening with water, especially in the atmosphere. And if you if you think about weather and, and climate variability and change as really just an energy balance issue or an energy balance equation in the Earth's atmosphere, water is the big player in that. And energy is moved around in the Earth's atmosphere by weather, by storms, and it's in response to that energy balance that the Earth produces uh, rain clouds and snow clouds and, and responding to uh, differences in the energy balance in the atmosphere. So water is very important to that whole set of equations and issues. And we also can look at changes in, in the water balance as in the, in changes in climate variability and change. So we, right. you can't have one without the other. Exactly. And what you're teaching us is one time we had a show together, you and I, and you mentioned that fluid in the air. In other words, the water in the air that nobody can just literally pull out of the air and put in a glass with their hands, but there has to be a fluid. There has to be water. There has to be moisture. By the way, moisture is green. Uh, if they want to talk about being environmentally concerning, uh, that that moisture in the air is what keeps us all alive, keeps us all agile and flexible and detoxifying and the eyes not being so dry and the skin not being so... Life to live, the plants to live. It's that fluid that you and I talked about once before that we don't... They call it humidity. And people are not comprehending this, Duane, that how important that water is to influencing our air. 
Well, I think, you know, something very dramatic for me when I was a, a young scientist and and picking between the many fields that I could that I could go into, one of the really dramatic things for me were were the um the Apollo astronaut photographs of our planet. And when you look at at uh, photographs from from satellites that are traveling throughout the universe that that we we have out there trying to gather other information and you see pictures of other planets and and moons and they're nothing like the pictures that the Apollo astronauts sent back of this planet the blue planet the blue marble and you've seen this in many posters you've seen it on magazine covers it, it's pretty dramatic and that's because of the water that's in the atmosphere and the water on the surface of this planet. And it's, it's, it's a dramatic um, statement to me that, that this really is the water planet, and, and it's, it's because of that that life as we know it has thrived, thrived on this planet. And it's, it's I mean, I state the obvious here. but Well, you know, what is, what is our environmental cause, number one? Number one should always be let's all get together and make sure we understand how important and to protect the water, save the water. Um, you know, you're going to laugh, but many times I'll explain on the show, let's just step back away from the planet Earth and take a look at it as, as an individual. Oh, my gosh, we have the water. And you just said it. <laughs> and that was the other reason why I was a little concerned, and I want you to step into that a little bit, about what they're thinking about not having any more exploration of, of uh, going uh, to other uh, p- parts of our uh, solar f- system with study and, and stopping to do any more exploration, having uh, any more um, space shuttles or uh, shuttles going up or what what do you think is going to happen there? What, explain to us what they meant when they say they're not going to do that. Well, I think that's you know, and this is my interpretation. I think that that that's a response to what's happening globally in terms of uh, displaced people and economies, and and it's a, it's a shift. I think a reflection of a shift in priorities that that decision makers, I think, are making, especially in this country. That you know we have a we have a shift in priorities with the economy given the way it is, um, with populations changing, demographics changing, the uncertainty in in the demographics changing, and where people are going to move, and what they're going to choose to do in lifestyle when they get there. Those uncertainties far outweigh any scientific uncertainties of any kind of climate change projections or any kind of climate observations that we make with any kind of instrument platform. The uncertainties in what people are going to do much outweigh the uncertainty in the science. And and when decision makers start looking at the uncertainty in, in what's happening in economies and demographic changes and what people are doing around the world, they start thinking about, well, you know, we really need to shift priorities. And I think, you know, again, it's my interpretation that they've shifted priorities, decision makers in this country, that perhaps we shouldn't spend as much money on uh, exploring the cosmos and and turn our attention to our own planet, and I think that if we if we all do that in a positive way, and we can certainly still provide funds for Earth observation satellites, which uh, in this country NASA, NOAA, and the U.S. Geological Survey are are all involved in Earth observation satellites and trying to understand better what's going on uh, on this planet. And I think I think that's a reflection of that shift that. We won't necessarily 
stop space exploration, okay. but we may shift focus of some of that in, in the far okay. reaches of space more to Earth observation satellites and and how can we better understand what's happening here in climate variability and change and and moving populations and demographics. I'm and glad I asked that on, because on I, li- I like so I hearing that. I like hearing that, and I think our listeners will like that. reflection of that change in priorities. Uh-huh. Well, we've only got a minute left, and um, we'll go back to the new climate services that you're trying to offer uh, with a lot of concerns. I have three uh, things that I always think about in research. Number one, what is the story, what is the research, and what is the education to the story and the research? And it sounds like your meetings are proactiveness, going around, trying to meet with uh, the different uh, states that you're involved with. You're trying to learn what, the, what is their story, and then what is the research that you need to uh, relation, have a relationship to giving them the education so they can start making decisions how important it is to make water a number one importance in their lives, but there's got to be more to the education. Um, with the last few moments left, uh, when do you think you'll be up and going? You're just waiting for the budgeting now. Uh, we're actually we're already going. We've we've put oh, that's the right. six you you regional directors in place uh, with myself again in, in the west, in, uh, based out of Salt Lake mm-hmm. City, and that that uh, region includes the the large eight western states from Montana to Arizona and from Washington to California. We uh, have a director in Alaska for for that region within itself mm-hmm. because it's so large and it really yeah. is a a barometer, if you the will, of, of climate variability mm-hmm. and change on this planet mm-hmm. being being in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another director in Hawaii for the Pacific uh, uh, region. There's one in Fort Worth, Texas for the southern region, uh, Bohemia, New York for the east, mm-hmm. and Kansas City, Missouri for the central region. So we have the six regional directors in place. Uh, we're we're building and building on relationships we already have with stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more that the capacity building and then involving the citizens as, as we design the science, mm-hmm. provide the information that we learn from that science to the citizens, they have to be involved every step of the way. And so we're looking at capacity can, building in each of those regions. So we're already moving out and working. And, oh, wonderful. Now they go to www.noaa.gov. That's correct. And and uh, you can go from there then to climate uh, dot gov and and get more information on the climate service as it, as it's formed now, and some of the plans that we have as as it becomes more formal and and more structured, more systematic. Wonderful. We're out of time. I enjoyed it again. You've always been one of my favorite guests, uh, Dwayne. I wish you well, and I I know that the education you're going to provide is going to be and the new research is going to be unbelievable for long term. Well, yeah, I thank you very much, and, and thank you for what you're doing, and uh, and I hope we can do this on a regular basis and, oh, and involve folks in the West in what it is we're trying to do and and, and do it through your show as often thank as we you, can. Thank you, Dwayne. You have a nice day, and be well. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.